I've waited and mapped out and tried to get a perfect first episode out. And (laughs) for those of you that do know me, for those of you that'll get to know me in the future, what I really am born to do is to just speak from the heart, let it flow, and what happens, happens. I know what this is going to be about. I know the reason that I finally decided to start it after years and years of rebelling against wanting to do anything like this. I do not like social media. I do not like what it's caused to our you know, overall population of the world, especially our country, though, and right now. Um, never going to care about the likes, never going to care about the following, never going to care about those things for myself in general. But finally, the stubbornness is done, and we're, we're going to get the message out. So what I really want to do today is talk about, yes, the reason why, why superhuman disciples, for one, um, what I hope happens with the message in each individual person, and then hopefully in their families, and then hopefully in our communities, and hopefully in our churches, lowercase c, to become uppercase c, which is really the body of Christ, and how that could shockwave and send a message out that needs to be in these times and for each individual person. So without further ado, uh, let's get to the first non-negotiable. When I first came up with Superhuman Disciples, it was years ago. And to be honest, it was about me. Um, I always wore a Superman shirt. I said, you know, I was Superman. And a lot of that was to propel myself in a career field. Um, started out in motivational speaking, personal development, got to the, the king of that in Tony Robbins and was working for his company. When God decided to shift my path, and say, you know what, I let you do your thing, are you ready to do our thing, and began the mission to find ministry. And I just never thought I would be in ministry. I was not a person who lived a perfect life, grew up in church, stayed in it, and then got into ministry. That was just not my walk. I often say that I'm thankful for Paul because I can say at least I wasn't killing Christians. (laughs) But I wasn't the person that needed to be in ministry. I I was fully living. I was indulging in vices and, and everything else. Literally, wretched person before. God took a hold of my heart, transformed me, and now that's motivation to make up for a life before, even though, yes, that isn't what we're supposed to do. It's how it will always feel because we will love him enough to respect him enough to be thankful enough that he took us off a path that was leading absolutely nowhere and put us on a, the only path that leads anywhere. And he drug me to this path kicking and screaming. And I know many of you who listen and many of you in the future will understand when he drags you to this path kicking and screaming those that are his. And what a blessing that is to begin with. And that the only way we repay him is with our lives, with our very lives. And that's what I intend to do from here on out. That doesn't mean I won't make mistakes. I have tendencies as a human. I have vices as a human, but it came through a filter and they are a lot less likely But still, we are free of sin, as in we are not slaves to sin, but we are still in a sinful existence. We are still in sinful forms. And to always fight that and to watch the sanctification process take hold and become something new, which then will do something new. So that's a preview to say what we're doing today is Superhuman Disciples was born, and I almost gave it up. I didn't like the idea of somebody taking it and just running with it and saying, I'm a superhuman disciple, 
and, and, and then just, okay, let's, let's pretend and let's say it and it sounds cool. It's a lot like Tony Robbins when he said, life coach. And then all of a sudden, nobody has to go to college and get a degree and be a counselor or a therapist or anything. They can just say, I'm a life coach. And they might be terrible at coaching their own lives, but you know what? Let's go coach other people. And they may have done nothing in the areas that they talk about, but let's go ahead and do that. And so what I didn't want to do in a similar way is to create a movement that wasn't right, especially when it comes to God, because I can read in the Bible and know that I'd rather have a millstone tied around my neck and drop to the bottom of the sea than I would to lead people in the wrong direction when it comes to this. So just as I'm about to give it up, I really feel like what if instead non-negotiables? And, and I really feel uh, God pushing me in that way because when I was ready to let it go, I was ready to let it go. And suddenly it was like, nope, it's not going to go anywhere. But it didn't have anything to do with me finally. And so I said, okay, well, let's think about what the non-negotiables would be. And as I made the list, I just felt like, wow, okay, if people really decided to stick to this, what it would really be is, is what we were commanded to do. And it wasn't outside of that, which, which I hate. Uh, it, it needs to be on the biblical rails. We know that, that that's a prerequisite that'll come and, and you'll see, but it has to be on biblical rails. It can't be like the Pentecostals who just take it, take the Holy Spirit, run with him and, and, and turn him into things. He's not. It can't be like the Catholics do and, and make so much legalism that you drain the love of God out of people. It can't be like denominations and religion at all. It has to be about him and a relationship with him. And that is the first non-negotiable. The first non-negotiable, he says, is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. And so when you think through what that means, let's just do heart, soul, mind. I mean, that's an unachievable goal that God has given us to try to achieve in this lifetime. And he does that more than once. We're supposed to be like Jesus. He's our ultimate role model. And yet we never will be sinless like Jesus. We will never be perfect like Jesus, but he calls us to attempt it. He calls us to try. And he gives us constant, unachievable goals, hopefully to keep us busy where legalism can't take hold. Uh, legalism can't take hold and put it all in our heads and not in our hearts. It's the, the reason the great command is love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind is if you build the relationship with him, the rest of it takes care of itself. You can actually be on this journey now. Before then, it's hard to because we're built as humans. It's all about us. This is the thing that separates us from God all the time is that it's all about us individually in this life. And it always comes back to us. So when we pray, we want certain outcomes. And when those outcomes don't happen, guess what? We're mad at God. One of the most ridiculous things in the history of the universe, us being upset with God about an outcome that we think we know better how it should go is pathetic, sick, gross, terrible, but also how we're programmed to be. And eventually what that should evolve to is that we realize that that's ridiculous. But how do we get to realize it's ridiculous? If you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and someone came to you and asked, how do I do that? Few people would have the answer. Few people would, because it's skipping a step, really, to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's skipping a step, because how did you come to loving anyone that you love? And the answer to that is getting to know them. You had to get to know them. How can you love someone that you don't know? So when somebody doesn't know God, but they claim to love God, we're starting in the wrong place already. 
And how do we get to know God? So as you can see, the beautiful way that he guides us makes us have to critically think. Why is the path narrow? Why do you find it? Because you have to critically think. You have to really seek him. You have to earnestly seek him, as he says. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But you can't trick God that you're earnestly seeking him. You either are or you are not. So in order to love God, you have to know God. In order to know God, there's only a few ways you can do that. His presence and his word. His presence and his word. His presence through prayer and the Bible. His presence through prayer and then the Bible. And eventually, maybe you have the lenses to really understand the Bible. And that will be in a future episode when we talk about transforming the book to the word. Because there's a difference. It was inspired by God when written by man. So it better be inspired by God when it's read by man. That's something you'll hear on a loop through these episodes, because it's just crazy to me that people think you could just pick up the book one day while you're having coffee in the morning, pour into it for reasons that aren't anything to do with what they should be, getting to know God, getting to understand God and his majestic mind, and then living a life like he directs us to. No, we just do it because we think maybe it'll give us motivation for the day. And that's great. And it can serve that way. The Bible can serve you that way. Sure. But we should be serving the Bible, not the Bible serving us by coming to God for the right reasons and through prayer and through asking to get to know him and through reading his word with that motive in mind, that's earnestly seeking him. And then you get to know God. Then maybe you have the blessing of the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom when you actually meet God for the first time. This happens for few Christians, as I've seen. For whatever reason, the fear of the Lord isn't present. And how do you know the fear of the Lord isn't present? The way they talk about God. I love that R.C. Sproul slams his hand down and says, we don't know who God is and we don't know who we are. It's the ultimate truth. We don't know who God is and we don't know who we are because if we knew who God was and we knew who we were, we'd just be thankful that we're breathing right now. And thankful that not only are we breathing right now, but if we happen to stop breathing in the next second, we'll spend an eternity in his presence, in pure joy, in pure excitement, in pure worship and everything else for eternity. And we'd be thankful for that if we knew God and if we knew ourselves and knew the comparison. So few people know God. And if few people know God, don't even fewer love God. Not to mention the, the commandment isn't just a kind of love God. The commandment is to love the Lord our God with the entirety of our heart, the entirety of, the entirety of our soul, and the entirety of our mind. That takes work, people. That takes work more in his word and in his presence than it does in our careers that we pour so much time into. It means pouring more time into his presence and his word than we do with our families, than we do with anything else. The most important thing in our existence is getting to know God so we can learn to love God, so we can learn to love God with more of our heart, more of our soul, and more of our mind. And again, that's why every denomination ever created is pathetic in its attempt to make legalism the way to get to him. And there are some that are better than others, sure. But it doesn't matter, and they will all fail, and they all have failed throughout history when we don't have it as loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind is the great commandment. Oh, wait, that is the great commandment. Why do we miss it? We get so caught up in trying to fix what we're doing all the time. We want to be better and be perceived better. We want to put a mask on, go to church and pretend to be the least broken when it was the most broken who are our heroes. Because when they were transformed, it was like a catapult into a new life. 
when Paul's murdering Christians and on the Damascus road is knocked off of his horse and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? The transformation of that was radical. Therefore, what he did for God was radical. All of it should be radical. When you get to know God and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, even if you are, I've been kind of good my whole life going to church person. When you've experienced the Lord, that power will sanctify you, wake you up, make you understand to love him, make you understand to trust him and everything else. But you have to be seeking that or you'll never find that. And if what you're seeking to do is go to your church and be the least broken because you've done the, less, the least bad things, <laughs> it's such a pathetic attempt at Christianity. But because a C student teachers of the word and D student teachers of the word, well, I guess if you're a C student, you're not even teaching the word, you're teaching the book. And if you're a D student, I, I don't even know why you're doing this. You've got a millstone around your neck at all times. But those people have painted this religion thing to where, of course, agnostics and atheists want nothing to do with it. It's a pathetic example of what God created us to be. And therefore, nobody wants a part of it. But the reason they don't want a part of it is they don't see what a Christian could become. If we just took the great commandment and the first half of the great commandment at that and love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And really to make that our goal, it is an unachievable one. It is something that we will work the entirety of our lives to get better at. We should love him with more of our hearts and more of our souls and more of our minds daily if we're pouring into his presence and into his word. But again, it's complicated. It's a calculus problem. It's the reason we got heroes of the faith like C.S. Lewis is because it is a calculus problem. We could be busy our entire lives trying to figure this out more and more and more. And the beauty is when you earnestly seek him, the gifts he gives is wisdom. And that gift of wisdom and those gifts of wisdom show you how to live this life. So all of a sudden now you're an example of what a Christian should be, a powerful example, and people would want to be like you. In these crazy times that we have, you would be a light still. Instead of just as anxious and just as freaked out as non-believers, that doesn't make any sense. That, that's a litmus test to yourself if you love God with any of your heart, any of your soul, or any of your mind. We don't fall victim to the same anxieties that people in the world do, but yet we do. And that self-proclaimed Christians is in the difference of real Christians. Real Christians seeking the Lord, earnestly seeking Him, getting to know Him, and then getting to love Him we would and do look different, feel different, act different, look forward to the suffering in a weird way because of the sanctification explosion that comes on the other side, that we welcome pain because like James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith is going to cause this perseverance that leads to you being mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when we go through pain, what we see is what we lack. What we see is where we fall short, where we miss it, where we need to work on things. And yet some people go through tragedy and it's their opportunity to be mad at God, to be upset with God. And how long that lasts shows how much you know him. Because it's going to be a reflex feeling we have as humans. But the more we know him and the more we love him, the more we trust him. The more we know him, the more we love him, the more we know our lives are in his powerful hands that are beyond what we've ever imagined. Because we've spent the time to get to know him. This subject could go on and on and on. The entirety of the podcast forever could be on loving the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and our mind. 
It could. Every single episode should and could be. Every episode will be in a way because it's all about getting to know him. It's why we start right here. It's why I tried to draw up a hundred other episodes and it has to come to this first is that until we know God at all, we cannot begin our walk with him. And until we begin our walk with him, we definitely can't love him at all, much less with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. So the challenge is if we want to be superhuman disciples and we want to claim that, and it's a claim that we can make. And I'm going to show you throughout this why it's actually mandatory to be a superhuman disciple, how it's actually the only type that would exist. Why? Because part of getting to know God is you'd find out that Jesus was the superhuman. He was the superhuman of all superhumans. We can paint comic books. We can look at everything else. But what the the superhuman was, was Jesus, God in human form. So if we are a disciple of Jesus, we are automatically superhuman disciples. But what that takes to get there and to understand that is getting to know him. Not being confused about the Trinity. It's a confusing concept, but you have to trust him and understand. And so Jesus being the superhuman and disciples are supposed to be disciples of Jesus. We are automatically superhuman disciples. But again, what it took to get there was getting to know God getting to know God in all form. God is three in one. So we have to know the Father. We have to get to know the Son. We have to get to know the Holy Spirit. We have to understand the roles in our lives. Like all of that, if we are spending our lives figuring that out, we are becoming what we are supposed to become. And then what we do will be different. If you are not connected to the true vine, you can do nothing. So if you're not connected to God, it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's tons of people out there checking the box every week, going to, going to church, maybe even going to Sunday school first. That'd be a stretch. But probably going to Sunday school and then going to church and then checking the box. And why? As this insurance policy for eternity. Surely this is what I'm supposed to do so that I can inherit eternity. That's gross. We've all been there but it should have stopped when we were kids. We've all been there, but it should have stopped when we were kids, but it didn't. We are box checkers, the majority of Christians. So we become embarrassing things that nobody wants to be a part of, fake things that nobody wants to be a part of. It's, it's crazy, but that's what we're known for. And it's because we can't even get the white belt Christianity stuff right. It says in our book not to be judgmental, and yet we are the most judgmental people. Trained to be by the world through social media and, and, and the news and everything else. So us as heirs to the kingdom of light, plugging ourselves into the dominion of darkness through media and social media keeps us wretched things. Keeps us wanting to be the most popular, the most powerful, lowercase p power. Instead of plugging into the only uppercase p power, the only uppercase l love, the only uppercase sound mind through the Holy Spirit. And if we did those things and what it took is to get to know God, what it took is to love God more. If we did those things, we would become something different that people would want to be themselves. But instead, we do exactly what the Pharisees did. We try to look right on the outside. We try to show everybody that we're doing the right thing. Oh, hide all the skeletons in the closet. Oh, hide the skeletons and only let people know the little things that we do wrong. What? What? How has this become what church is? because of social media and because of media, because of wanting to be the most popular, because of building pedestals, even as Christian leaders that we do not deserve to be on. 
Trust me, I could have been the worst at this. What I was training to do was to build the ultimate pedestal, the biggest pedestal, so everybody would listen. And we could go make the most money and do the most things on this planet. And thank God, and I'll thank him every day, that he took me off of that path, drug me here kicking and screaming, where now there is no end. But it took me really going and trying to get to know God. Getting to know him humbled me automatically because when I felt his power, I was afraid. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of humans is the end of it. You can no longer because it means you don't know him. We shouldn't fear the times that we're in because we have God, the uppercase P power. But if we knew him, we'd know that. So it shows me that we don't know him. There are times when I just don't care about anything else than being on my face in prayer trying to understand him more, trying to get to know him even more because the more I get to know him, the more I love him. The more I love him, the more this life is easy to live. Easy to live because connected to the true vine, this is an easy life to live. You understand I'm only here for a blink. You're only here for a blink. And that blink, all that matters in that blink is that we glorify him, that we have it resonating in ourselves, that we have it resonating in our families, that we have that resonating all through us. And what is that? His light, him beaming through our very existence and showing others how to live this life just by our presence alone. The possibilities out there to do that. Jesus did it. He was the ultimate example for us. But the thing that we chase about Jesus and try to do is to be perfect But he died on the cross for our sins so that it wouldn't have to be what we did. So it's disrespectful to him when we attempt that without getting to know him instead. It's a pathetic attempt. We are not going to be perfect. But if we attempt to get to know him and get to love him, then the inside of the glass gets clean, which automatically cleans the outside of the glass. But if we worry about our actions and we worry about being perfect and really appearing perfect to other people is what it is, that's an outside of the glass and the inside is rotten. You clean the inside of the glass, you will do something different. This entire thing is about becoming something new. Walking and stepping into and trusting that we are supernatural. We are conduits for his Holy Spirit. That is superhuman any way you want to paint it. But we aren't conduits for his Holy Spirit if we aren't earnestly seeking him. We're not conduits for his Holy Spirit if we're pretending to be the least broken in church so that there can be no transformation. We start to believe and and drink our own Kool-Aid that somehow we are better than other people. But that's if we're comparing ourselves to other people, which is gross. The only comparison that matters is how far away from Jesus am I? How far away am I from being Jesus? And if that's the only comparison I make, I've got infinite steps on this ladder to take care of on the way to that that I'll never reach. So guess what? I don't have time to look at you and you and you and you and try to compare myself to that because what a gross comparison anyway. What good would that do us in our careers if we compared ourselves to the worst version of that in our career field and then said, well, we're doing better than that. It isn't what we would do. No, in our career field, we look to the most successful, the people with the most money, the people the furthest down the road that we think, and we strive to be that. But we can't do that in this, that will last for eternity, that leads to real comfort, real power. We would rather look at our careers and do that. No, 
The only comparison that matters is us to Jesus. That takes care of the white belt Christianity, judgmental pettiness thing that is rampant in our churches, rampant in our communities, rampant in the church, which his body cannot be that way. But how do we change? How can we fix this problem that we have? Getting to know God, which will lead to getting to love God, which one day we'll get to loving him with more of our heart, more of our soul, and more of our mind, which will lead to an understanding of how to live this life and will land on abundance and fulfillment, even in painful times. We will bask in abundance and fulfillment and joy, even in the hardest of times, because we know that's when he's with us the most, and that's when we're seeing what we lack. That's when we're seeing what we need to work on. And not work on in the actions, work on in the inside that will cause that to happen, which is all getting to know him, all getting to love him. You will hear things on repeat as you listen to this podcast, and, and, and you, you have to. We're, we're getting repeated to us all these other things that are negative, that are terrible, that are horrible. Your brains are being programmed every single day by news and social media. So repetition is the mother of skill. And we have to continue to repeat these things so that they get built in. And once they're built in and we have a foundation, then we can start to build a house on that and understand that you could wipe that house out at any time and it's not gonna upset me because my foundation cannot be shaken. And the foundation needs to be that I love the Lord my God with more of my heart, more of my soul, and more of my mind all the time. And that the more that I do means the more I get to know him. And the more I get to know him, the more I know how to live this life. The more I know how to live this life, the more I just want to show other people what he has shown me. And it no longer becomes a pedestal to stand on in doing so. It's a genuine feeling in the heart that you just want other people to feel this way. I was once just a terrible, wretched thing. I was captive to my vices, captured by the enemy. I was spinning out of control, but inside I felt like I was doing the right thing because I was successful in a career field all the time, becoming something wretched and terrible and horrible, doing wretched and terrible and horrible things. And to be saved from that, to be salvaged from that mountain that I was on, that even if success would have been gained, everything that's the worst on this planet would have been gained too. And because he loves us, we don't end up getting to that place. We don't end up being captured by the world, by being captured by our desires. And our desires by default are not good. They're stuck in our humanness. As we transform more through his spirit in our inner being, as Paul says in Ephesians, we start to understand how to live differently. We function and fuel off different things now. The spirit wants something different than the humanness. And the spirit's the capital S, and the humanness is the lowercase h. So if you want to be something pathetic and nasty, give in to your human desires. If you want to become something powerful, amazing, live in joy, abundance, and fulfillment, pour into his presence, pour into his word, and learn what his spirit wants that is within us. And when we live and we fuel off of that, we become the Christians that we should be. We become superhuman disciples. And if you feel some kind of way when you hear that, good, because so did I. And then as I learned that it was the only way, it was the only thing that we could become, I focus on that every single day of my life. It's all that matters. It's all that matters is am I forming closer into the image that he wants? Am I turning myself inside out and becoming more spirit than I am human? Those are the things that matter to me now. And every single day is abundant because of it. Every single day, pain or not, 
pleasure or not. And the pleasures are different as well. The pleasure is basking in his presence and getting to know him more and getting to love him more. That way I can trust him more and live this life with the proper guidance system. Then when my eyes open, I'm excited to start the day. Instead of most people, especially in America now, opening their eyes to get on their phone, to start freaking out and having anxiety for the rest of their day. To be run on that engine instead of the engine that is trust, that is love, that is power, that is sound mind, that is all these things that he promises us. No, we want to get on our phones first. Start the day that way. Have the anxiety get into our system so that we don't even know how to live. No. Superhuman discipleship is about putting this first. And the first non-negotiable in being a superhuman disciple is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And if that's the goal, then we have to backtrack and we have to get to know him. And the only way to get to know him is to earnestly seek him through his presence in prayer and through his word when the Bible transforms from the words on the page to an understanding in your heart. It has to transform. It is just a book to some people. But when you are in his presence and you're earnestly seeking him to learn how to live this life and to learn how to love him more, then those lenses are transformed and now you're understanding. And as I said in the intro, even kings wanted to understand this and couldn't. That's superhuman. It narrow is the path and few find it is. The few that do find it treasure only that. They would sell everything else to just have the understanding that comes from his word, that is just a piece of his mind, that it says in Isaiah we can't understand because his thinking is higher above ours than the heavens are to the earth. And if that's the case, why are we spending all of our time pretending? All of our time trying to get better with our actions that's never worked. Legalism's never worked. It's pathetic to even try but instead to seek him by knowing him, to seek him and then loving him and the fear of the Lord becoming the beginning of wisdom. And all of that that happens afterwards is an explosion that puts us on the narrow path, both feet sealed. And now we know how to live the life. Now we have the proper guidance system. I tried to put the perfect kickoff to this together and it just doesn't matter. The ranting will be there from time to time. And it's because I just want him to just pour out and pour through and give the messaging because if I try to do it, I'll mess it up. So there'll be gold in the ones that go like this and there'll be gold in the ones that are really like taking the time and and I put them together and everything else too. But really, when we are just excited about God, we ought to journal. When we're excited about God, we ought to talk about him And, and, and not in some structured way but in just losing it with the excitement that we know he exists, that we love him and that he loves us. He loves us more than we love him, which is the craziest conundrum. He's the creator of the universe, the king of the universe, loves you more than you love him. It's pathetic and crazy, but it's the way it will be. But if you compete and try to outlove him, which you won't do, but if you earnestly try, you'll become something amazing. You'll feel amazing. And all you'll want is to show other people how to do that, which would come to creating disciples of the nations, which we'll get to as well. But you shouldn't create disciples until you're a disciple yourself. And you're not going to be a superhuman disciple without getting to know God. So if you heard anything in this, here, that if you like the idea of a superhuman disciple, you probably understand better than most. If you feel a little bit weird about the terminology, just give it some study time, 
right? Get to know him a little more, get to love him a little more, and you'll find out what I found out, that it's the only type that exists, is superhuman disciples. And we'll go over that throughout the podcast. But the point is, and I hate the name podcast still, just because too many people have podcasts who nobody needs to listen to. And and, and it's true. But if you're going to listen, if you're going to tune in, it's a challenge. It isn't about just listening to someone talk. It's about taking it and utilizing it in your life. It's about making superhuman discipleship a true goal of yours because you understand why it should be. And then becoming the type of people others would want to be like. And not just the same old pathetic churchgoer once a week who pretends they're the least broken and judges everybody at church. Gross. That's me spitting to that. But that's what we have become as the lowercase c church, especially in America, is let's get real pretty. Let's go to church once a week for our insurance policy for eternity. And let's pretend we're the least broken while we're judging everybody else. If that's what you're doing, you're missing it. If that's what you're doing and only you know and you can judge yourself, then you don't even understand. I don't know how you got tuned into this podcast if that's what you do. You, you, you don't need to listen to superhuman disciples. You need to go with your third grader to their class and stay and listen to the foundational teachings of Jesus through a kid's eyes because he says, come to me like a child, and you probably should. If you go to church once a week, Pretty as can be, pretending to be the least broken and judging and gossiping about everyone else. You didn't need to be tuned into this. You needed to go with your third grader to Sunday school if it still exists in your church and sit there and learn with the pictures and everything. That's how pathetic we've become. That's how sick I am with it. So if you're tuning into this, if you're tuning into superhuman discipleship, what we're doing is getting past that. What we're doing is maturing in his kingdom here on earth through Jesus Christ, through getting to know God, through learning to love God and becoming something different, not acting like we've become something different. So we have some pedestal to stand on in our churches that we're going to once a week and in our life groups that are learning absolutely nothing in most places. If you can't tell, I'm frustrated about it. It isn't my frustration. I'm frustrated, first of all. You'll hear it all the time. I am pissed off for God. Yes. But where that begins is being pissed off with me. Myself. Being upset with what I was before. When I was in church at a young age. When I did learn the foundational stuff and still strayed away. And still fell into my humanness. The disgust with who I was as a person before is what comes out in my tonality now. Because I just went by what he says to do. Tried to become something different. And now it isn't about me anymore, which is the only reason why Superhuman Discipleship Podcast exists. Because if it ever would have been about me, I never would have done it. It doesn't feel good. And so just understand when you hear the conviction, feel the conviction that it started with the, myself, how Paul had to have felt his whole life knowing that he murdered Christians before he was arguably the Christian. And that's all I want others to feel too, is that same feeling inside your inner being of the disgust that you have of the person you were yesterday and the focus on the person that you want to be later tonight and tomorrow and to pour into his presence and his word so that he can form you into what you're supposed to be. Children of God, heirs to the kingdom of light, 
masterpieces, handiwork, all these things he says we are. And when we accept it, and when we fight with all of our being to become it, it's only because we know him. And it's only because we love him. Now what we're doing is learning to love him more and more and more and more. And as we do, we become more and more and more capital P powerful because he lives in us. It is no longer us. He lives in us. We now understand who we are. We now understand who God is because we've taken the time to get to know who he is. We've taken the time to try to love him more, to understand him more. And we've become something amazing. And all we want is others to become something amazing. In a time that darkness appears to be winning to everyone, we are the lights that shine the brightest. That's what a superhuman disciple is. A bright light guiding everyone to Jesus. Not some fake light guiding people to themselves. Hear the difference. We are lights. We are a voice for him. We are lights to guide to the chief shepherd, to Jesus, to our Father, our Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is what it is about. Not some dull, dim light leading people to themselves, but a bright light leading to heaven, leading to Father, Son, Holy Spirit, showing who they are, three in one, who God is. And when you can start to understand that, I can promise you life starts to get fun. So thank you for tuning in. We've got more to do. But today, what was the theme? The non-negotiable for being a superhuman disciple. The first one and the one you could work on for the entirety of your life is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Let's go.